Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, today we're continuing a series entitled Nothing Compares, and today's message is Nothing Compares with Grace. Without grace, we would all be in trouble because every one of us really were born a mess. That's just the best way I know how to put it. You know, the word sin in a lot of people's lives and minds has a real negative connotation, and and I understand that it, it, I mean, it seems very harsh, but we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says we've all done that. And so... Uh, we can't point fingers at anybody else today. We can't look around and, and go, but you're worse than me. Uh, their behavior may be worse than yours, but they're not worse than you. Uh, our behavior doesn't necessarily reflect who we are because we're created in the image and likeness of God. And the value of mankind is not based on their performance, but on their creation. And the fact that you were given life and I was given life demonstrates the value that God has placed on us. By sending His Son... He went ahead and demonstrated even in greater fashion the value that he places on mankind, past, present, and future. And I do thank God for a free will. I do. Even though that sometimes that free will of others affects my life and my free will might affect your life and my free will has affected a lot of people's lives. And yet, not one of us would want to lose the freedom to make the choices that we make every day. Some of those choices are not the best choices. And some of those choices affect us. They affect others around us. And if we're not careful, we will stay focused on the pain and the sorrow, the wrong done. And in doing so, we will be miserable. And when we do that, the expectation is often that somebody else who is responsible for my pain and suffering has to fix my pain and suffering. The reality is I can't fix you and you can't fix me. But we can choose to be healed. The Bible doesn't say by his stripes you were fixed. It says by his stripes you were healed. In other words, there's a newness that comes with the cross and the healing of Christ. There's a wholeness and a newness it's not like God repairs you it's like he makes you new according to 2 Corinthians 5 17 that all things become new the old is passed away everything becomes new and God makes us in that newness in his likeness and we have to begin to realize that the abundant life that Jesus paid for us to live is a result of the choices that we make not the result of the choices other people make. Otherwise, Jesus would have been depressed for 33 years. He knew exactly why God sent him. He knew exactly the time that he was going to die. He knew how he was going to die. He knew who was going to take his life. He knew all of that. And yet, he maintained this incredible walk and confidence and joy knowing that it was with the joy set before him that he would endure the cross. I want to be able to say today, it's with the joy set before me 
that I can endure anything that I'm about to face. And you know what? We're going to face things in this life. And you know what? A lot of people are going to be involved in the things we face. Because stupid is going to be here until Jesus returns. <laughs> it just is. And so we can bank on it. So if, if, if you're waiting on circumstances to line up and the galaxies and the stars to line up, just so you can get happy, you're going to be waiting a long, long, long time. But you can wake up every day and put on your joy. You can put on your peace. You can put a smile on your face. You can choose to be happy in the midst of great crisis and criticism. It's a choice that we make. Most of the time, however, in our faith, this is what we pray. God, deliver me. And God's saying, I'd rather develop you than deliver you. You see, in, in the midst of chaos and crisis and pain and suffering, it is where we can find our strength. I didn't say it's where we will find it. It's where we can find it. Because you and I have to make the choice to find it. It doesn't just pop up, show up. We have to step up and speak up in order to acquire and establish that confidence and the joy and peace that we choose to have. Because there's not one person in here today that has not suffered and not experienced pain. Not one. Watching online, not one person. And that every day we have to fight through, some days are harder than others, to fight through the difficulties and the challenges. And, and you know, I don't know what day of the week it is for you, but I have one day every week that's the most difficult day for me. And I'm not going to tell you what day it is. Because <laughs> then I'd have to explain it. You know, for many of the, the people in the world, Monday is a horrible day. You had a wonderful weekend. It's a beautiful fall weekend here in Oklahoma. And, and, and then tonight, about 5 o'clock, after you've got a food hangover, you're going to start thinking about Monday morning. i got to get up at 6. I didn't get finished on Friday. The boss is, wants to meet, meet with me on Monday. And all of a sudden, your mind starts playing out scenarios that cause you grief, that cause you to get uptight and sorrowful and filled with pain. Let me just tell you, God's grace is sufficient. When Paul had a thorn in the flesh, he kept asking God to deliver him from it. Take this away from me. And God spoke to Paul and he said, my grace is sufficient. It's enough for you to get on the other side of your crisis. It's enough for you to get on the other side of the hate, the criticism, the difficulty, the loss. My grace is sufficient in your darkest hour. But you and I have to access the grace. Because everything in our mind tells us this is not going to be okay. This is not going to work out well. Guess what? Circumstances are not in charge of your soul response. Your faith is what causes you to rise above the crisis. And we all will have those encounters. The Apostle Paul said... You know the story of how Adam landed us in this dilemma we're in. First, sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. But the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail 
to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, the separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one, capital O, who will get us out of it. So we all live in the shadow of original sin. Now, the reason grace is a difficult topic is because oftentimes pastors want, they don't want to extend too much grace because then they're saying, just go do whatever you want, which you're going to do anyway. So I don't need to endorse your behavior because you're going to do what you want to do. Why? You have a free will. So if I tell you God's grace covers you and covers your sin, then some pastors would say, well, if, if that's the case, then you can do whatever you want and you'll be okay. Then there are other pastors who say, well, grace empowers us to, to do the will of God or not sin, which I agree with both. I believe that grace is necessary because we're saved by faith through grace, lest any man should boast. So we know that grace is connected to our salvation, our eternal home. But I also know that by the power of God's grace, when he told Paul, my grace is sufficient, in other words, my grace will empower you to get through your crisis, but the part you can't get through, my grace will cover you. So grace works on both sides. So it's been my opinion that at the end of the day, our relationship with God is connected to our desire to follow God. Now, I'm going to be real careful when I say this. will be taken out of context, I'm sure. Not our ability to follow God. See, right there becomes an issue because there are things I don't do well. I will have issues with drivers until Jesus comes back. I don't even pray God deliver me anymore. I just pray God develop me because I just, some of these people got, got their license half price at Walmart. And they should not be driving. I, if I was a governor of a state, I would put in public transportation and I would make people go to a five-week driving course and go 120 miles an hour around a track and throw obstacles out in front of them to see how they did. <laughs> you might get a license. Grace. I get it. We all have those little places in our lives, that thorn in the flesh, that one thing that you just, you can't seem to get over. And you, 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 your free will, God says, you know, I'm not going to take it from you. You have to give it to me. I'm not going to take that bitterness. You got to give me the bitterness. I'm not taking the unforgiveness. You have to give it to me. And so we hang on to it and we just keep enough of it so that we can somehow justify our pain and our sorrow. Well, they hurt me a long time ago. Or they really hurt me. Well, guess what? You probably really hurt somebody as well. Oh, I know some of you believe what your mama said. You were the perfect child. All mamas lie. All daddies lie. You ain't a perfect child. You're a 
full of sin. Seven pound, 14 ounces of sin laying right there in that hospital. Why? Because of one man's sin, Adam. We don't escape that. So you have original sin and then you have sinful behavior. Grace addresses both. The only way we go to heaven is that Jesus died and extended grace for the sin that we were born with. And then every day our behavior that is unbecoming to our faith needs the same grace to cover us. And get up the next day and say, I pray. There are days I, I realize I have to be more aware and I go, because like, I just don't get it. I don't, I will never understand when there are two lanes going north and two going south that two cars would drive side by side. That doesn't make sense to me. And they're both going under the speed limit. Look, look, can, can, don't you guys see people behind you trying to get her? This is called the passing lane. The left lane, let me help you. Driver's Ed 101. The left lane is the passing lane. Get the out of the lane. I drive a bat, black Audi. If you see me in your rearview mirror, help me with my salvation. I don't want to be using grace unnecessarily. Verse 18, let's get back to the Bible. Here it is in a nutshell. Love the Message Bible. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition, listen to this, with aggressive forgiveness. I love those words, aggressive forgiveness. In other words, if you're just really mad at somebody, you're like, God, I just want to, just go up and hug them. Make sure they understand you're coming because they might hit you because they're expecting to be here. Say, so you know what? I just feel a hug coming on. <laughs> now, what, what are you up to? I'm up to aggressive forgiveness. If you're married, this will really, really jack your spouse up if you wake up in the morning and shout, Honey, I need some aggressive forgiveness here. People don't know what to do with that. They don't know what to do with grace because we typically measure who we are by how we feel about ourselves. So if you feel bad about yourself, guess what? It will be revealed to everybody through your actions. If you don't love you, why would anybody else love you? You don't like you, why does anybody else like you? We have to learn to exercise this expression. You say, but it's hypocritical. No, it's called obeying God in the face of incredible obstacles and crises and criticism. Love never fails. Grace never runs out. The Bible says the letter of the law kills. So, so 
when we get laws and we, we try to live our lives according to the laws instead of by the Spirit, something inside us dies. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. God just didn't deliver us from sin. He brought us into life. That's the reason Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I believe in that. So when you get real happy, sometimes people think, you know, why are you acting all happy? You, you, you just been in hell. Why are you happy? Because I brought a bag of marshmallows with me. Whenever things go bad, turn something around. Do something. I mean, you guys know. I mean, I just, we've been at church almost six months. I've, my story is, I can't even believe I'm standing up here. It's like, you know, somebody said, I can't believe you're alive. I said, well, you know what? The devil got to do more than that to take me out. Do we have tough times? Yeah, we have tough times. We have dif- yeah, we have difficulty. But man, God's grace is sufficient for every one of those. If you're fighting through something, fight through it with a smile. Confuse hell. Confuse the devil. What are they smiling about? You're looking at his imps. He'll be slapping them around. I thought I told you to make them depressed. Why are they smiling? And they won't have a clue because the devil ain't that smart. He doesn't know the will of God. He doesn't know what God's saying to you until you open your mouth. So when you open your mouth and you're going through a crisis and, and you know, you're, you're sick or something and, and you, you open your mouth and you go, by his stripes, I'm healed. Now, your body says everything opposite of that. You're having a bad, but I'm telling you, something gets in your heart and mind when we declare God's truth that overshadows everything that we feel. I don't feel like coming here every week. I don't feel like preparing every week. I don't feel like facing the city every week. I don't feel like having conversations. My sin went around the world. I'm a global failure. (laughs) Cheers. And we can laugh about it today because I'm laughing about it today. And you say, well, you shouldn't be. You should be ashamed. No, Jesus died to take your shame, my shame, Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. Don't you climb into a hole because of the mistakes you made. You'll be playing right into hell's hand if you climb into a hole because you're all ashamed of something. Stop. You stand up and you say, "This I am the reason Jesus died. I feel so good because I'm the reason he died. He loved me so much. The rest of you perfect, wonderful people. I can smile today, I can preach today, I can laugh today because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God, not because I'm good, not because I did everything right to come back. That had nothing to do with it. I'm only standing back here because of the grace of God, not because of the works of Mark. I'm standing up here because of the grace of God today. And you're the right people to be here today. Do you know that? You're, you're the right people here. You're the ones that are supposed to be here today. We don't know why God didn't invite a few other people. We really don't. I mean, the room's full, but, you know, I guess they weren't as special as you. (laughs) Or they just disobeyed, and they need grace today. You need grace. You're laying home in your jammies right now. You know you're supposed to be here. What are you doing? (laughs) Put the waffle down. All that passing the laws against sin and death has produced more lawbreakers. Now, listen to this. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin, 
versus grace. Grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. It's what grace is about. You're going to mess up a few more times before you die. You'll need a calculator. I'm going to mess up a few more times before I die. I'll probably burn up a calculator. And what I've come to realize is I, I'm a type A personality. And type A personality types are really great Pharisees. We really are. We're the best Pharisees. Matter of fact, every Pharisee probably was a type A like me. I, my relatives are probably Pharisee of Pharisees. They really were. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very... Uh, systematic like I'm one of those strange guys that if you went to my house right now my bed is made, I make it every day shoes are picked up off the floor living room is perfect the pillows are where they belong, they're fluffed I've got my little blanket over the couch everything's vacuumed and cleaned dishes in the dishwasher by the way I'm a type A so in my life I've always been able to perform well I thought, right? Yeah, I perform well, right? Yeah, and then you look around, you say, I've never done what they've done. Oh, in your mind, you've done everything and then some. Everyone in here is a murderer in their mind. You have killed numerous people right here. You have. It's like, I... And then you walk around and you praise the Lord, I've never done anything. Praise Him. And we're all murderers. First church of the murderers. First church that admit we were murderers. Because if you've done it in your heart and mind, you've done it. Mm, Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I promise you that. The reality is that none of us can judge anybody else for their sin. That's just the reality. And it always amazes me, and please hear this. There's one side to the cross, really, and it's the side Jesus hung on. When somebody comes into church, they may never look like us. Prayerfully, that would be the case, often. I love having people that don't look like Christians. I do, because tell me what a Christian looks like. I've yet to know that, see that picture. Is it the person that dresses like you and looks like you? Wears their hair like you? Hmm? Is that the person that's a Christian? What does a Christian really look like? I'm sure today there are all kinds of religious pastors who well, his hair short if it's a man, and her dress as long as she's a woman. And, and uh, they don't smoke, drink, cuss, or chew, or hang around people with who do. Am I, am I telling you the truth? Am I telling it right? And that concerns me because the minute you and I start trying to determine whether someone is a Christian or not is the moment we put ourselves in the judgment seat. There's no grace in that. There's arrogance in that. 
when we judge someone according to what they've done or the behavior they've demonstrated and we say they are not a Christian or that's not very Christian, those are two different things. Let me just tell you something. Not any one of us in here is very Christian. Oh, maybe I can get some help online. Put the waffle down again. No, the reality is compared to what? Compared to what? What is Christian? Compared to Christ, I'm the devil. Compared to Christ. No takers on that one. Like, hallelujah, praise for me too. Compared to what? Because it's always about comparison. That's, that's how we exist. That's how normal fallen mankind exists, by comparing themselves with someone who's worse than them so that they can feel better about themselves. I ain't getting a whole lot of help in the house today. Thank you. A little preach, it'll go a long way right now. St. Augustine said, For grace is given not because we've done good works, but in order that we may be able to do them. Doesn't say that we will, but that we may be able. Now, the reason for this is to me obvious that grace is something that I think we struggle with more than we could ever imagine. At the end of the day, it's, grace is not an easy thing. Maybe it's easy for some of you or easier for some of you. But grace is difficult because we're always fighting to protect ourselves from the pain caused in a world that has fallen. We could take every sin back to Adam and Eve. When I fail... I heard things that I never thought I would hear from Christianity. And it was a difficult time because the reality is we oftentimes feel like we reserve the right to dole out punishment. When in reality, consequences become our punishment. The minute anybody gets excited about punishing someone else, there is no grace in our lives. I don't care what they've done. If there's an ounce of excitement in seeing someone else suffer because you've been made to suffer, there is no grace. There is no grace. Now, in our darkest hour and our deepest pain, it is difficult. It is difficult. But it is mandatory if we are going to know the life that Christ has died for us to have. Sometimes the depression that you're experiencing is very simple to fix. Let go of the people you're holding in your heart. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the people who caused the hurt. Extend grace to them. Grace gives us eyes to see as God would see. Put it this way. A two-year-old can do something destructive in your home. For instance, when Joseph, my fourth child, I have five, so I do have reasons for behaving in certain ways at times. 
when you have five children, you have a tendency to lose your mind. I remember Joseph was the most adventurous child, and he, one day we had antiques that we had inherited, inherited, and he threw a ball over a balcony. We had this upstairs, and it, there was a railing. He threw it over and broke one of the, the heirlooms, which really shows the dumbness of Jennifer and me. When you have children, rent furniture. Don't buy it. Don't paint your walls. Because you'll have a tendency to get mad when, when you don't do those things. You really don't care. But I remember at that age, he didn't mean to do it. Or, or did he? Or did he? See, children get by with things because we perceive them as innocent. Oh, aren't they cute? Isn't that cute? Look at them. They got food all over everything. Look, they crawled on the wall. Isn't that cute? Let them do it at 14. There ain't an ounce of grace. Get in here right now. Give me your phone. You're grounded for a year. You know better. The only way that we can really demonstrate grace is through the eyes of innocence. You have to see everybody's innocent. You say, but they're not innocent. But you have to see them as innocent. Because guess what? It's kind of how Jesus sees them. When he's hanging on the cross, they were guilty of nailing him to a cross. But he looks down from the cross and says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. How could he do that? He's being crucified. But he saw something different. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is looking at sinful humanity knowing he's going to be crucified and has compassion on them. Now folks, we're all going to have an opportunity to extend grace this afternoon. And some of you may need to extend grace if I go five minutes over. Our spiritual eyes help us to see our spiritual error, which opens the door for God's grace. In other words, spiritual eyes help us for us to see, I too have sin in my life. I too have sin in my life. And I know every day I need grace. I, every day. Matter of fact, every hour. Now, it's, I don't need it as much because I live alone. When you live with somebody, oh, Jesus, get all up in here. When you live with people, it's like, I, I, shut up. I mean, turn it down. Who ate the last? I don't know how many of you had this happen, but when I, when I was on, they'd be like an empty bag of chips in the pantry. It had no chips in there, just a bag. Who eats stuff and puts the bag back? Who? You You do. Grace on stupid. Anyway, so I'm. But people do that. I'm like, why? And then you, you know, like, I don't eat ice cream anymore, but I used to eat ice cream. And, and, and you go and there's a, you see this box and you're like, oh, great. There's a, you know, there's a fudge sickle and you pull the box out. There's nothing in it. Seriously? Get thee behind me, Satan. 
because I really wanted it and it was there and I knew it was there, I would have stopped and bought some. But I thought some was there. See people with eyes of compassion. Grace makes it easier to see and deal with our own issues so that we don't make our issues someone else's issues. Because most of the time, the way you see others is really the way you see you. And you just need somebody to take it out on. It's cathartic for you. For me. In reality, if I just looked in the mirror, I wouldn't get mad at any of you wouldn't get upset with anybody because I would be more aware of my own issues. I don't even have time for yours. You don't have time for anybody else's issues. We don't have time. I'm happy with it. Matthew 7, 1 says, Do not judge or you will be, you too will be judged. For in the same way, listen to this very carefully, in the same way, way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you so if you give someone a cup of hell you're going to get a cup of hell back a gallon of the abyss you're going to be getting a gallon of the abyss back now I make some of you happy because you're going I knew you don't get his if you can get happy about someone else suffering because they caused you to suffer, then you really don't understand grace. When we get happy about revenge, we still have not forgiven. Now, I can say this pretty easily because I've been through this in the last two and a half years and uh, of difficulty and had to really think through a lot of things. Just being honest, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I'm actually just um, disclosing my own challenges where I finally went, you know, I don't want anybody to suffer for how I was treated. And there was some really good treatment and there was some really bad treatment. People said things to me that I'm not sure they would say to their dog. And, you know, sorting through that, because there was a tremendous amount of love, an outpouring of love, and then there was there was a pretty good boost and shot of, of judgment and hatred. And I had to think through all of those things in order to determine my desired outcome. Now, let me say this. Repentance is the only thing that curses the seed of sin. And even then, there are consequences. Oftentimes, if somebody commits murder and they're found guilty, they're incarcerated maybe for life, they can still be forgiven inside the walls, maybe the consequences don't change, but the, the, the spiritual dynamic changes drastically, emotional dynamic changes drastically, but let's talk about just common, everyday, non-illegal sin that you and I have to deal with. Anytime you get happy that someone else is going to suffer, and they will without repentance. They will suffer the consequences of their judgment without repentance. All you have to do is go read Job 1 through 42, chapter, go read Job. And if you read it, you will see the instruction of God to those who judged him. And they said, go to Job, he will pray for you. In other words, he trusted Job to stop the hate. 
God will put it on us to love those who may have wronged us. But believe it or not, your compassion and your grace will be what compels people to change. Close with this story. There was a woman who, whose husband never went to church. Never went to church. But one time a year. And he did it because every year she would just beg him, please go to church with me. She was fearful for his soul. And he committed. He said, I'll never go to church, but once a year I'll go with you on Easter. Most attended service, Sunday service of the year in our faith. The most, now the most attended weekend. Um, and so every year at Easter he would, he would go with her. Same thing would happen. Preacher would preach a message that was pretty strong. Com- trying to compel people to turn from their sin. Presenting a pretty vivid picture of heaven and hell and what it was going to be like for people who didn't follow Christ. And every year, the same response. The husband would get up. He would require that they sit toward the back. And toward the end of the service, when the pastor began to close in prayer, he would get up out of his seat while everyone had their head bowed, and he would go to the aisle. He would turn right and exit to go to the lobby and walk out to the parking lot and proceed to go to the car and wait on his wife. Year after year after year. Finally, one year came, and he, he's at Easter service. Same thing's happening. Only this year, they'd gotten a new pastor. And uh, wife didn't think much about it. Same church she'd been going to. Figured it'd be the same theology, same, same presentation. Possibly even the same message. So he goes on this particular Easter. Same thing. Gets up as the pastor starts closing in prayer. Walks toward the aisle. Only this time, instead of turning right to the lobby, he turned left. And he walked to the front of the church and he gave his life to Christ. The wife was astounded. She had no idea what had just happened. She could not believe it. She was confused, bewildered, excited, every emotion in the world thinking, what, what just happened? Is this real? When they got to the car, she said, I, I'm excited, but I, I don't know what to think. Would you please tell me? Why this year, instead of turning to exit the building, you turned and went to the altar? He said, yeah, I can tell you. He said, I've been coming to church with you for years, every Easter. And every Easter, the pastor preached on heaven and hell. And every year, he made me feel like he would be happy if I went to hell. He said, but this year with the new pastor, he preached the same message but he acted like he would be terribly sad if I went. That's what grace does. Grace presents to other people a compassion, a sorrow for their suffering, a sorrow for the absence and the void of Christ and mercy and salvation in their life. Grace is never mean. Grace is never judgmental. Grace is not controlling. Grace is loving. It's kind. It's forgiving. I know we mean well when we want people to change and we start telling them why they should change and the benefits of change and 
even prodding them and annoying them to change. And we do it all in the name of God. What would happen if we just started loving them and leading with love and leading with grace to where they got so hungry they'd say, I need to know why you treat me this way. I think about Smith Wigglesworth's wife committed to God. Smith was a big, mean old plumber, never go to church, didn't have any use for God. And one night he was so mad at his wife for going to church. He said, woman, if you go to church tonight, I'm locking you out of this house and you're not getting back in. She said, Smith, I'm going to church. She went to church that night. Sure enough, came home. She didn't have a key to get in. Door was locked. Smith woke up the next morning not realizing he had fallen dead asleep. And woke up and his wife wasn't there and he realized what he told her and he had locked the door. He went to the front door as quick as he could. He opened the door and there she was laying on the mat. She jumped up and said, what do you want for breakfast? Guess what happened? Smith gave his life to Jesus Christ because he saw grace. He saw mercy. This woman had every reason to say, you know what? You're going to be out of this house next week. Instead, she just said, I'm going to keep loving God in front of Smith. And she kept loving God and kept loving God and extending grace. And finally, one day, her husband became a great preacher. From a mean man to a great preacher, all because of grace. I would encourage us this week just to go home, print out the picture that I put on Facebook, the tree, just put grace. Put it on your refrigerator because everybody's going to go there. Put it in your bathroom mirror. Let's be a people of grace this week. Now, the rest of our lives, but let's focus on grace. Nothing compares. Father, thank you so much for demonstrating grace to us. Today, I pray that those who have felt judged and condemned would feel relieved and loved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be those of you here today that have never really felt like you deserved heaven and you don't and I don't this is not about what we deserve this is about what has been offered in spite of what we deserve and today you would say I just really want to make Jesus the Lord of my life I want you to pray a prayer with me everyone in here to pray this prayer with me right now and there are going to be those of you that have never prayed this prayer the Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say those who act like the Lord. It doesn't say those who perform well. It says those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, let's all pray this prayer right now. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that I need grace. I need mercy. I need forgiveness. And I know that comes from you. So today I call on your name, the name that is above every name. I give you my sin. I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus.